עצמה. All right, praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for another day. Thank you for your provision in it. Thank you that we've all been able to come together here. Uh, more, uh, a couple more than we were expecting. So that's uh, that's a praise. Uh, thank you for your provision. Open our hearts today, Lord, as as we hear from your word. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We seem to love acronyms, don't we? Uh, you don't know what that is. All that is is uh, words that letters that stand for something else. And and military, of course, is famous for them. Uh, some of them we can't repeat in polite company, but they're the ones that have kind of made it into our our common vernacular. Technology is also pretty famous for them. One day, I got curious. When you plug a scanner into a computer, it uses it uses a function or it uses a protocol called Twain, T W A I N. And I finally thought everything stands for something these days. What in the world is that? Somebody's name? What is that? So I looked it up, and come to find out, all it stands for is technology without an interesting name. <laughs> So somebody didn't know what else to call it. So, um, but there's another one that all programmers learn about early on, and that too has made it into our common uh, our common speech. It's called GIGO. It stands for garbage in, garbage out. And of course, the idea is when when you're comparing a computer, it's going to do what, just what you tell it to. So if you put garbage in there, you're going to get garbage out of it. Now we're not machines. But the same kind of principle applies in our own lives. If our input is nothing but what is in the world, then our output is going to be of the world. We will become like the world if that's what we are always, always feeding on. And the problem with that is that the world can have no fellowship with God because the world loves darkness. So if all we're feeding on is darkness, we have we have a problem. We have we're cutting ourselves off from the fellowship of the Lord. He he tells us that we are to be sanctified, we're to be holy, and that we're, all that means is to be set apart. As Jesus in the scripture that we're studying today is praying for his disciples, he prays for them and also for us, that they be sanctified. And then he goes further and tells us how that happens. And yes, it was completed on the cross. He made the way. He paved the way for us to, to, to be able to be holy, to be able to be sanctified. But it also continues in our own lives as a process. As, as we draw closer to him, and how we get there is by feeding on the truth of his word. The agent of that sanctification is truth. He tells us in John 14, 6 that he is the truth. 
And then he tells us in the, the part of the prayer that we're going to read today in 1717 that his word, the Father's word, is truth. And he is the Father's word. So, love the truth. Pursue the truth as if your life depended on it. Because guess what? It does. We're looking at John chapter 17, where we've been for the past few weeks. Uh, Jesus is praying here after he's made his final remarks, just before he's going to be crucified. He has instructed them to love each other, showed them how to do it. He's going to continue to show them how to do it. He's preparing them for his departure and promised the Holy Spirit to be there after he has after he has left us. So that in fact he never leaves us as he promised because he's always with us in, in the, the person of the Holy Spirit. It's called the high priestly prayer because Jesus is our great high priest. And even though it's been divided up into sections, really... All of this can be applied to us. We are all through this prayer. Today, we're going to conclude the part that they've labeled for his disciples. And there are some things that we can note. One of the things that I find delightful is that he, he says in, the, the first, uh, in verse 13 there that he's, he's told them these things that they might have his joy. And so that we might have his joy. There is joy in the pursuit of the truth. There is joy in the pursuit of his word. There is joy in coming to know him. And he says that we are going to, he's not praying for them to be taken out of the world, but that while we're here, we'll be protected from the evil one. Because we're not of the world. We're not part of this system. We're not supposed to be. If we're truly belonging to him, then, then we're something different. And that sanctification process is by the truth of his word. So I'm going to read. I'm going to start in verse 12. Now, if I had done this properly, I think I should have put verse 12 in last week's lesson instead of this week's, but I didn't. So we'll start in verse 12. And it says, while I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me. And I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, so that the scriptures would be fulfilled. And now I come to you. And these things I speak in the world so that they may be so that they may have my joy made full in themselves i have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world even as i am not of the world i do not ask that you take them out of the world but keep them from the evil one they are not of the world even as i am not of the world Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also sent them into the world. For their sake, I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. 
verse 12 here is really, I think, better suited with, with last week's lesson. He, he, was, he has already prayed, he prayed in verse uh, 10 and 11, that the Father would keep them uh, in his name, under his protection, under his authority. And while he was here, he says, I did that. I protected them. I, I guarded them. He guarded them by his teaching, by teaching them the truth of his word. He guarded them by his correction when they needed it. And he also guarded them by his power. And all except for Judas, that's who he's talking about there, uh, which is probably obvious from, you know, if you've followed the text through. But He's, and it's interesting the way that he speaks of Judas. He speaks of Judas as if he's already perished. He's already gone, even though he hasn't actually committed the act yet. Now later, after he betrays Jesus, he does hang himself. But his treachery was foretold. In fact, John tells us Jesus knew from the beginning who it was who was going to do that. But, but what that doesn't mean, the way you read this, you, you might think that, well, this is basically saying, well, this was going to happen this way. Judas had no cho choice. No, Judas had a choice. Judas could have decided not to do it. Now, to understand that because God knows the beginning from the end, God knows the beginning from the end and knows what we're going to do, he knew what Judas was going to do, but that didn't mean that Judas did not have the option to do otherwise. We all have the, the, that agency, that choice to be to be made. That God knows what we're going to do before we do it doesn't mean we don't have the agency to do it. But these things I speak in the world, he says, so that they may have my joy. Now, what are these things? Certainly, he is praying this prayer for the benefit of the disciples and for all those who would follow. So the things that he's saying in this prayer, but also the things that he's been teaching them all along. As you look, you can find, uh, and I'm just going to look at the uh, last few chapters we've, we've studied, but he has some, he said some other things about joy in chapter 15, verse 11. He said basically the same thing. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. What were the things he was saying then? Abide in me and have, have my words abide in you. Uh, love him through keeping his commandments. Bearing fruit and loving each other. He says these things are the source of a joy that can be made full. Joy at his return. He talks about how when he comes, when he returns, our, our joy will be complete and no one will be able to take it away from us. Joy, also in chapter 16, in asking and receiving in his name. When we're in harmony with him and we ask for something and we see it happen, that's a joyful thing. That's a wonderful thing. It comes from our will being in sync with his will. He desires for you to have joy. 
it, we kind of get bothered sometimes when we talk about the Lord wants you to be happy. Well, yeah, He actually does want you to be happy. But the way He wants you to be happy is with Him. The way He wants you to be happy is when you're working together with Him and you're working together for the same goal. And then, yeah, and you'll be more than happy. You'll be full of His joy. And He talks then about being in the world, but not of the world. And we hear people say that all the time, right? That's something that's, that's said about his people. We're supposed to be in the world, uh, but not of the world. But he actually makes a point of it. Uh, Linda just talked a little bit earlier about repetition. Well, here you've got twice in verses 14 through 16, he says the same thing. They are not in the world as I am not in the world. Or they are not of the world, rather, as I am not of the world. He had he separated us out by his truth. He separated us out by his sacrifice. We are something other than what we used to be. And we're not supposed to be like the world. His word is what sets us apart. He has given it to us there in verse 14. And then in verse 17 and 19... He prays that, that they may be sanctified in truth. And in verse 18, he says, your word is truth. It's the word of God. And it is, it is the word of truth that sets us apart and makes us like him. And he says, because of that, the world hates him. If you are living as God intended, it, it's sort of a, a paradox almost because you think, well, wait a minute. On the other hand, we tell, we say, well, you know, love people and, and, and they will, you know, they'll respond to that. Well, yes, some will. But not all of them because uh, they didn't respond and haven't responded to the perfect love that Jesus gave. What makes, what makes us think that they're going to respond to the imperfect love that we're able to give. But, in fact, he says the opposite. The world is going to hate, uh, it's going to hate us because it loves the darkness. It hated him first. And, and, he, and it's because he exposes what it is. It says that in, in John 3.19. We're supposed to reflect his light. And then he says, I'm not asking that they be taken out of the world. He sent them, verse 18, into the world. I think I said something wrong a minute ago that uh, the word is truth is part of 17. But um, in verse 18, he says, I, I sent them into the world. And that is true of all of us. We have been sent into the world. He told them, and thereby us in Matthew chapter 28, 18, go to all the world and make disciples. Well, they can't, have, they can't do what he said. We can't do what he said if, they, if we are not in the world. We can't be, we're supposed to be, we're supposed to be sanctified 
but we can't be completely separated. If we're completely separated, we can't do our job. I'm so glad that, that he didn't take them out of the world because, because he didn't take them out of the world, we're able to talk about this. We're able to know him. We're able to have his word before us and read it and understand it, at least as much as we can. But he asks that they be kept from the evil one. Now, what does that mean? Does it mean that they're uh, completely immune from attack? No. All but one of the disciples was martyred. The, the enemy could still attack. Uh, the enemy could still cause harm. But the enemy could never have them. And he can never have you. And you will be rewarded if you stay faithful. But for their sakes, he says, I sanctify myself. Now, given the doctrine that we've been taught about sanctification, that can kind of make us stumble over those words. Well, wait a minute. How can Jesus sanctify himself? He's already holy. But to sanctify simply means to set apart. And we teach it as the process, and it is a process for us of, of, of becoming. But it was also a process that was completed by what Jesus did. Jesus clearly does not need to be made holy. He's already holy. But some translations actually use consecrate here. To, to kind of help us separate that out. Jesus set himself apart as our model of holy sacrifice. And because of that, because of what he did, we can be made holy. It is both complete and continuous. So how do we know this joy? I know that many of us, myself included, have struggled at different times in our lives with depression. And sometimes it's because life is hard. Things happen. Uh, they're bad things. And it's okay to grieve. It's okay to, to uh, experience sadness. It's uh, part of... What gets part of the emotions that God gave us. It's not bad to feel emotions that God created us with. The problem comes when the sadness never leaves, when it never lifts. That's when it begins to do us harm. But folks, I truly believe that the great physician has the cure. We are created in his image. Now, we went and corrupted it, but he redeemed it. So, as children of God, we have that image restored in us. Are we perfect? No, we're still working on it. we still got the flesh to deal with. But the key to joy is found in modeling ourselves after Jesus. What does that mean? That means we're doing what he does. We're modeling our lives after him. He gave us his word so that we could be full of his joy. And that's, he tells us to keep them. And that, that's, that keeping them is how we love him. 
And that as we love him, we come to love what he loves. He loves us. And so we ought to love each other. He loves the people of the world. It's a different kind of love. It's, a, it's, it's, it's not the same thing as he has for us, but it is, uh, it is a self-sacrificing love nonetheless, given to them even though they'll never give it back. So when we love them that way also, we're setting that example of Jesus on the earth. We do good to them and we tell them, when we tell them about him. The fruit that we produce is the good that we do and the love that we share and the people that join God's family. That's why we're still here. That's why we remain in the world. And if, if they hadn't remained, I've already said that, but if they hadn't remained in the world, we would never know. But he, he didn't take them out. He left them here to do a job. And we're here to do a job. We must remain so that they will know. And this is why we, need, we shouldn't isolate ourselves completely. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to flee temptation like the word says. If you have a, tr- a problem area in your life, don't hang out where you're likely to encounter that problem and be drawn into sin. That's a good thing. It's a good thing to draw closest to those who are of like mind and spirit with you and to spend most of your time and, and most of your, your effort it, uh, with uh, building those relationships. It's good to avoid influences that pollute your mind and draw you away from the truth. But it's not good. It's not good to so isolate ourselves from the world that we have no contact with it or no effect on it. To so immerse ourselves, it's not good to so immerse ourselves, however, in the world that, that we cannot distinguish it, or that we cannot be distinguished from it. We can't, that they can't tell that we're any different. We're in it, but we're not supposed to be of it. So how do we do this? Cling to the truth. He is the truth. His word is the truth. And his truth is what sanctifies us and draws us to holiness. That sanctification was completed at the cross, and yet it continues in every Christian's life. Every day and every hour, we have a choice to make. What are we going to do? Are we going to serve the Lord? Are we going to serve ourselves? Having committed ourselves to him, we don't need to be afraid. You know what? We are going to fall. We are going to mess up. Uh, sometimes, sometimes the enemy wins a battle. But greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. Get up. Reach up. Let him take your hand. 
Let him pick you up and keep going. Keep on walking with him. Because his prayer, and you have God the Son praying to God the Father for you. You don't think that prayer is going to be answered? You bet it will. So be comforted and keep on keeping on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for giving us your word. Thank you for giving us your sacrifice. Thank you for continually drawing us to you with the truth in your word. Lord, help us to be both individually and corporately an example of your light and your love and your holiness to this community and to this world. In Jesus' name, amen.